0: Okay, so good morning, everybody. We are in the middle of the topic of patience. And patience, it's funny because in the current state that we're in right now, right before Pesach, with all of this chaos going on in the entire world, it really is the probably the most important trait for us to work on right now is just to be patient. And I, I wanna just take you for a second into where I'm holding personally. And and hopefully, we'll be able to connect this. So, as you can see behind me, I'm in the middle of cleaning for Pesach, going through the bookshelves, reorganizing. Uh, It's not spring cleaning, this is Pesach cleaning. So, cleaning out for Chametz, cleaning out this next week is Pesach. I called up my friend last night while I was taking care of other things around the house. And my friend is a uh, Hatzala member. He's Hatzalah. Hatzala, for those of you who don't know, is the volunteer ambulance service. Uh, We have it here in Houston. Ah, uh, we have it in other major Jewish cities. The largest is in Brooklyn, New York, and he's a member there. And he takes calls all the time, twenty-four-seven. And I called him last night, and he said to me, I-, "I can't talk. I really can't talk." I said, "Is everything okay?" He says, "Everything's okay." He says, "But the entire Shabbos, I've been taking calls." And he says, "I need. I can't see Jews not being able to breathe like I've seen this Shabbos." So I, I think that we need to take a special moment, if possible. To close our eyes and pray for the people who are ill, people who are in on respirators, people who are, you know, faced with challenges, not only them, they're all their families and their friends who are suffering by this as well. It's a very special time for us to open up our hearts, to uh, shake the heavens, to hopefully seek kindness from, from above, to bestow kindness upon His creations and. Hopefully the almighty will give all of these special people a healing. Another friend of mine called me last night and said to me, I want you to download this app and I want you to listen to the radio of the New York Hatsala. You can listen to it on one of these apps. And I was horrified. I was horrified because until I went to sleep at about three o'clock, three thirty last night, there was calls nonstop, stop And I'm telling you, we're talking about a major crisis. It's not something which is like, uh, it's like. Listen, I'm I'm healthy. I'm good. You know, I know many healthy people who are who are, who are now stricken with this. Um, people who have had no prior health issues that are dealing with major major crisis now w- with their health. It really is a serious situation, and I, I, I want to implore upon any everyone. Number one, impress upon everyone to a be cautious, be precautious. Take every precautionary measure for yourself. If you don't need to go out of your house, don't go out of your house. If you don't need to go shopping, don't go shopping. If you don't need, only do what you absolutely need to. If you don't need to, don't do it. Please, for your own safety, for those who love you and care about you, if it's not absolutely necessary, please don't do it because we're dealing here with a a really serious situation. I'm telling you, I couldn't sleep last night. I couldn't sleep because, you know, you're hearing one call after another call, after another call, after another call. I heard that on New York City, EMS service had 179 calls on hold. They couldn't handle the volume of calls. It's a very serious situation. We have to follow the guidelines of our medical professionals. We have to follow the guidelines of our government. They're guiding us and telling us stay out of public places. If you don't need to be at HIV or Kroger or Randall's or wherever, don't go. Don't go shoe shopping now. Don't don't, don't do the things you, you don't absolutely must do. I think it's the responsibility of the moment. Right now, this is what we need to do. And this is us following the guidance of our sages, uh, the sages say that you have to listen to what your medical professionals tell you. Your doctor says, "Don't eat this because it'll kill you." You don't eat it, and that's a mitzvah in the Torah to listen to your to your doctor. Right? It's not a mitzvah for us to be a chacham, right? To be the wise the wise guy and 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 not listen. We have to go out and listen and do do the right thing. So, with that being said, we also have the challenge of I've seen so many people over Shabbos. I was sitting out here in the front of my house. And people are walking by in the streets with their families, with their strollers and with their, you know, wife or husband and, and children and running ahead back. It really was it was it was very nice to see everyone. But on the other hand, you know, you get to hear how are you doing? How's everything? You know, you're smoozing between you and your friends. And people are just getting so frustrated with the situation. And I sense it a lot that people are just losing their patience. So I think us talking about this topic of patience, particularly right before Pesach, uh, where it you know things are a little bit more challenging, where we can find the right foods for our family. You know, I'll give you the, I'll give you one example of how patience. You know, we prepared for Pesach here. Uh, we planned. We needed to order the matzah, uh, the hand matzah, for our guests and us two months ago, way before coronavirus was a thing, and we ordered. We were supposed to have 22 people coming in from new york and florida and today as of today not a single one of them are coming so we ordered this much of matzah and we only need this much of matzah right because we're not having all those guests coming. it's frustrating right it's frustrating if we don't channel our energy properly for them it's very frustrating they weren't planning to have Pesach till a week ago or some of them a day ago right Till last night i got one of the phone calls saying okay we decided we're not coming So for them till now, it's less than two weeks before Pesach, they had no intentions of having Pesach in their homes. People from Houston, where our guests were going to stay in their homes, now decided they're going to stay home. So that's frustrating for them because they weren't either planning to stay in Houston for Pesach, they're planning to go visit their family in New York, New Jersey, wherever, and now all of their plans turned over. It's frustration, lack of patience comes from a situation where we feel like we should be in control and we're not in control. We feel like we should have things all uh, in our hands and we should know exactly who, what, where, when, how, and this is the way things should go, and they don't go that way. That's when frustration, that's when patience is required. We can get angry when things don't go our way. If you think of most instances when people get angry, why do they get angry? They get angry because things don't go my way. If things don't go my way, the car stopped in front of me. What's wrong with them? Why don't they use their their lights, their their blinkers? Why don't they use their hazard lights? If they're like, we get we get frustrated. Don't you know, like who I am? My time is precious. Why aren't you? Why don't you care about my time? If someone cuts us on the line at the at, at the grocery store. Or someone is taking their time. You know, it's like you're in a rush and you're trying to and 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 they're taking their time. And then they're going to the bottom of their bag and they're taking out everything until they can find their card until they can find their, right? You lose your patience. Why? Because things don't go the way I want it to go. I want to go right now. I want to move it right now. I need to rush someplace. I need to, right? It's when we put the eye uh, in such a important place that we don't allow for that patience, so to speak, to flow. So we left off last week that um, the closer we are with others, the more careful We must be with our patients, with them, right? A friend with whom we meet, right? But they bring out the worst in us, right? We mentioned that last week, right? If you have a friend, well, I just want to stop for one quick second for my dear friend who brings out the best in me, uh, my dear coffee. So please answer Amen after this blessing. So you have a neighbor, a neighbor who doesn't mow their lawn the way you like them to mow their lawn, or they don't, uh, they don't pick up uh, their their Whatever it is, you know, everyone has their potential issues. I have the most magnificent neighbors on all sides. Great. I'm, I'm the luckiest man. The most difficult thing for us to have patience with is our own home, within our own home. And we know that the key marriage advice is, you know, our sages tell us that under the chuppah, the bride circles around the groom. She circles around them seven times. So my rabbi, when I was in sixth grade, he used to say she's tying an invisible knot around his leg, right? Is that the bride is like, that's it. You're not going anyplace. She's gotten tied up. The truth is, is that what a man needs to think of under the chuppah is that he is accepting this yoke, this responsibility of his wife. It means no matter what the circumstances are in the good days and the not so good days, when she's feeling upbeat and happy, and when she's feeling down and miserable, that your responsibility is to show her and to care for her and to love her regardless of the circumstances. And that's the responsibility. The key advice we give to a groom is you need to undertake that responsibility and that duty. It's not enough to be to not be angered or strong-minded, right? It's not enough not to be angered or strong-minded. We see plenty who who can belittle other people, can mock other people, can laugh at other people. We need to be careful about that as well. We see a trait that is bad, someone who's lazy, someone who's late, someone who talks all day. You have to accept the person exactly for who they are. Not only, it's not only okay, I won't get angry, but also remember, you're not perfect either. Okay, and that's that's a very important thing is that if, if you find the perfect person, I ask you, please do me a favor, I'd love to meet them. I've yet to meet the perfect person. Everyone faces a challenge, everyone has the challenges they deal with, and the fact that we are frustrated with someone else. Uh, It's very interesting. uh, If you want to take it one step further, the Talmud says that anyone who sees the deficiency of another person, you see the flaws of another person. It's really your own flaw that you're seeing. So when you see someone who is uh, not being honest about something, perhaps it's your own dishonesty that's bothering you. And people have a difficult time with with, with accepting this. It's not always, a what do you mean, me? What are you talking about, right? But the the truth is, is that that's that's the the reality of how the world is. I'll give you an example. How many times do we see someone do something wrong? It really doesn't bother us. It doesn't bother me at all, There are only some things that we see in other people that bother us. Sometimes we can see something someone else does, which is not the proper thing to do, but it still doesn't bother us right? Why do certain things trigger us? Certain things don't because it hits us in our nerve of our own deficiency. One, it hits us in an area where we're feeling our own flaw. And that's why it touches that nerve and it like tickles us. It makes, it makes us uncomfortable. And we say, oh, one second, look at this, this, uh, this imperfection that we see in this other person. Now, again, Be very careful about not judging other people. And that's the goal here, is to learn to accept the differences, to learn to accept the the, the deficiencies of another person, whatever they may be. Now, we have to also remember that anything worthwhile takes time. There's nothing that is worthwhile acquiring, no trait that's worthwhile acquiring, that just comes to you like that. It takes time to acquire positive traits. It takes time for a person to perfect his traits. And we have to recognize that and appreciate that it doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen. So education of our children requires endless patience. Any parent will tell you the number one key to raising happy, successful, balanced, normal children is to have patience. We need to have patience. The statement, maybe King David or King Salmon, <speaking in Hebrew> The ways of the Torah is all pleasantness. pleasantness, And it needs to be pleasant. And everything that Torah leads us to is a way of peace. Right? We need to be pleasant people if we want to acquire Torah. With punishments, we cannot educate. It's a known, very, very important principle. My grandfather was a, was a world-renowned educator. I used to come to him with many questions I was a rabbi in the yeshiva, and I dealt with many, many cases of uh, you know students that had were having difficulties. And I asked my grandfather, I said, "How do I ensure that I don't face these challenges with my own children?" Right? I had a little child then, a little, a little uh, you know, a few month old baby uh, who's now seventeen, uh, almost eighteen years old. I you know, thank God now I'm a father of seven uh, amazing children. How do I ensure any type of success with our children? My grandfather said, you know, they used to be able to educate kids with strictness, with firmness, with, you know, you can beat your kid. You can can hit your kid. Today, you cannot do that anymore. Those principles of education don't work anymore. Today, there's only one way that you can educate children, and that's with love and patience and more patience. I cannot tell you how many times I've, had the urge to say something to a child, to my child or to someone, and I just got to bite your lips, bite your tongue, and just, I'm not going to say a word. You know why? Because it's only my own frustration. It's only my own lack of patience that's causing me to want to say something. I'm going to take it easy, and I'm not going to say something about it. And if, if later on, I can discern that I'm not saying it out of anger, I'm not saying it out of lack of patience, but I'm saying it really because it's the right thing for this person, then I'll say it. Otherwise, I'm keeping my mouth shut. It is such an important principle. We don't educate today with punishments. I'll tell you an amazing story. My grandfather was once, he was approached by many, many educators would come to my grandfather to ask them different, different guidance questions about how to educate their students. My grandfather once said a story, an educator once came to him and says, and asked the following question. He said, I wanna know, when can I punish? He just got a new job in his school and he wanted to know when can he punish? So my grandfather asked, which institution are you referring to? So he told him the institution. He says, who's your boss? Tells him who's his boss. He says, let me think about it. As soon as he left the house, my grandfather calls his boss and says, fire the guy immediately. Because any educator who only wants to know about when they can punish is not an educator. Right. They want to know about their power. That's not an educator. Right. You want to know how to inspire. That's a great question. But how to punish when you can punish when you're allowed to punish. That's not education. Only with endless patience can we come to a path of proper educating with education with our children. Right. We should work on times that are particularly difficult and specifically then we should work on our patients. So, for example, when is the most challenging time in a household with little children? Anybody? Mornings, right? Or, or, or mornings, getting them out to school on time. Everyone has to eat breakfast, preparing all the lunches, getting everything ready, carpool, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, or bedtime. Bedtime. Those are the two difficult times. That's the exact times that we need to work on our patience. We need to set aside. You know what? Okay. For the next half hour and next hour, I'm going to be completely patient, and I'm going to sit and I'm going to relax, and I'm going to be patient with my children, and I'm going to be loving, and I'm going to be caring, and I'm not going to raise my voice, and I'm not going to get impatient. And through the work on this trait, and, I, and I've, I'm i sharing this because this is something that I need to work on. It's something that I've been working on for many, many years. You can really transform who you are when you work on this trait of patience. From one end to the other, you'll become a completely different person through your work in this trait. Shopping, Okay, for me, shopping is a very big, big, big point of, of struggle. I absolutely hate shopping. Okay, I mean, clothing shopping. I absolutely, there's nothing in the world that I hate more than clothing shopping. Right? I don't want to go to the store. I don't want to be there. I don't care which shoes. I don't care which shirt or which suit or which tie. I don't care. It doesn't mean any, to me, it's a total waste of my life to go shopping. It, it doesn't do anything for me. And if I were to go shopping with my wife, I prefer telling her, you know what, sweetheart, take the credit card, shop, do whatever you want. I'll wait in the car. Or to me, it's like, which one, this one or this one, this one or this one, that one or that one or that one or this one. It's just like, come on, just pick any. It doesn't make a difference, right? But the, right. So, but that's not going to help me become a better person to run away from the situation. What's going to help me become a better person is not only to go, but to be interested. My rabbi used to say, you get engaged. When a guy gets engaged, so they start to go they go pick out, pick out linen and they go pick out uh, drapes and they go pick out this and he couldn't care less. Do you like this color, this pattern, this shape and this thing? He says, don't try to fake it because women have very strong antennas and they can tell when you're not interested, right? He says, what's the solution? Go and be interested and make it your business to care, right? And be patient. And it's not going to go your way, but prepare for you, prepare yourself that for the next five hours, you're going to be totally selfless and you're going to be there for her because it's important to her and because it's important to her, you're making it important to yourself. And to just say, you know what? It's not my thing. I'm not going to do it. Leave me alone is running away from a situation and not dealing with not, not allowing ourselves the opportunity to work on it. It's a very important uh, uh, trait to work on, and it's not an easy one. I'm telling you, I I, I struggle with this myself, okay? I'm a very calm guy, but there are certain things that just trigger me, like shopping. So what I do is before I go, I prepare myself, and it takes time to prepare myself. Okay, I'm, I'm ready to go now. I'm ready to go and be all selfish and take the time that's necessary to listen and to give advice and to do whatever is necessary and to be calm. And then there gets a certain point where I'm like, okay, my my fuse is is now getting to the little minimum. It started like this, and I'm just getting getting lower, lower, lower. I have to declare, okay, I need a little time out now. I need it before I – because it's not worth it to blow it. It's not worth it to blow it. Stay stay calm. Stay patient. Also, before Shabbos, before Shabbos, like we said the story with Hillel, before Shabbos is a time of great stress in a household. It's a time of great – tension, you have a clock that's ticking, you got to get things rolling, you got to get things moving. It's a time where great patience is required. So an important reminder is patient again, patience does not mean that we care less about people or that we have a lack of lack of interest in what's going on. Patience is the ability to respond to ev- everything and anything with a calculated and appropriate response. And not a frustrated response. Fine. Do whatever you want. Right? That's not that's not patience, right? Fine. I just don't want to deal with it. That's not that's not patience, right? Patience means we have a calculated response, a calm, cool, and collective way of approaching and dealing with situations. The topic relates how a person needs to be careful not to place fear in his home. Someone who lacks proper patience. Is going to be angry. Is going to be. Is going to be uh, a, a runner like a, a their home like a dictatorship. I said this and have rules and this that. That's not a proper way to run your household. The Talmud says don't don't make your home a place where fear. There is fear in the home. When the tone is rash and strong, the people are frightful and suppress their feelings and even lie in order to avoid an explosive reaction. Right. An example if a father asks his children who touched my computer right well who touched my my whatever it is my phone right and a child is afraid okay i'm sorry like you know he doesn't want to say anything she says not me right you never you're not going to get a healthy uh, a healthy household to operate where there is all that uh, all that anger or lack of patience Right. Okay? a friend asks do you remember uh did you remember to call so and so we ask our siblings why didn't you pick up my medicines on your way home, right? There are all of these situations that, that come up. We have to know how to deal with these situations, whether we're on the, on the uh, well, we feel a certain way and we're expressing it to someone else, or whether or not we are on the receiving end of someone being uh, frustrated. These questions could also be asked in a calmer fashion that will bring about less of a friction and possibly save from a catastrophic response. So we all are in situations in our lives where we could be in control uh, at times of how we respond to things. And we need to be cautious, we need to be careful. We can ask those same questions that we just those three examples in a way that is less aggressive and in a way that could be calmer and kinder. 98 percent, 99.9% of humanity, isn't as honest as you are and don't recognize that they may have such a impression that they give off so most people are walking around thinking i'm i'm just perfect and i'm just great and everything is fine and you have to get over things and you have to stop you know not realizing that now the fact that you even identify that this may be something gives you already a tool in your hand that can help change that. The fact that you even know it, I'll give you an example. There are people who have a bad temper, but if you go and ask them, tell me, I'm just on, as, as friends, okay? Tell me, why do you have such a bad temper? Me, temper, what are you talking about, right? And they start, right? They don't even realize that they have that temper. Nine out of 10 people, or 9.9 out of 10 people don't even realize that they have the deficiencies or the flaws that they have. Now, if a person were to come to the master classes and identify these things, which is why we learn about all these different traits, is so that one can identify them. If a person would only stop and recognize, you know what? I'm not so patient. I need to work in it. Or I come off short. Or I come off, right? Then now we have the tools to work with it. So now I can calculate, okay, you know what? When I respond, I'm going to be a little bit. Use kinder words, find and prepare phrases that we can use that are kinder and gentler. It's a great thing if a person were to have a, a mentor or someone they can work with. It's very interesting because this brings up a whole new topic, uh, which we're going to get to, of what's called He'arat Panim. He'arat Panim is countenance, is to show a, a glow, a shine, a smile. Uh, to every person we meet and to greet every person with kindness and, and in, in our, in our, again, in, in our face. So it, it's a big topic. It's one that we'll get to. We're going to get to it in, in, in a couple of weeks. Hopefully we'll get to that topic. I think it's very important for us to, uh, to recognize that the fact that we may have a, a deficiency in a specific area is not a terrible thing. It means you're human. OK, it means you're human. That, that's what it means. OK, now, how do we deal with it? God created every single one of us with a multitude of traits. Some are good and some are not so good. And we have to try to identify what those traits are so that we can now take the good ones, make them great and take the bad ones and make them good. Right. And, and improve them. And that's 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 a very, very healthy state to be in spiritually. To identify what those are. Now, how exactly we'll deal with each trait, there's there's a way to deal with it. And that's 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 part of the journey here. But write it down in your notebook. If that's one of the things that you feel that needs to be uh, identified and to work on worked on and clarified, on, that's a great stage to be at in Musra study. These questions could also every situation, every single situation, you know, one of the great skills that they don't teach you in rabbinic school is how to, it's called deflect. Okay. Let me give you an example of what it means to deflect. So there was once a, a conference, a, a, a lecture given between two leading rabbis, two very, very prominent rabbis. This is what's told. It's a tale that's told. One of them was more of like a scientist, brilliant mind, big philosopher, very intelligent person. Another one is more of a humorous, not a comedian type, but a very entertaining rabbi. So over the course of this whole lecture that they were giving side by side, someone asked a question and they wanted to know why a hot plate is considered fire on Shabbat. Okay. Why is it it considered? Why is it not considered? Et cetera, et cetera. So one rabbi was explaining, so the, 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 the philosopher rabbi was explaining, well, you have to understand that the way the fire works and the way it goes with the coals and with the this, and with the this, it's giving a whole lengthy explanation. The other rabbi used the art of deflection. And he says, it's not fire, sit on it, right? So if it's not fire, sit on it. And you, did he answer the question? Didn't answer the question, right? Did not answer the question, but you got the point very quickly. Okay, now, in every situation that we're in, you can be, and I've had this dozens of times where people have asked me questions and sometimes not very kind questions. And they ask questions that are there to to instigate, to be provocative, right? There there are many times that people will ask such type of questions and you need to have the art of deflection and it's a very important tool to deflect from those questions they're not looking to ask a question they don't have even have a question that bothers them right but they want to just be heard one option two they want to harass you right there are many things that or they're they want they want to make sure that that everybody knows that they're smarter than everyone else and you have all these different types of people and many you know thank god i've been i've been blessed to teach in many, many different congregations with many different types of people over the years, hundreds and hundreds of of classes in, in, you know, with with thousands of different people. And over the past uh, 11 years that we've been doing Shalhebeth classes and now over 19 congregations, 19, uh, almost 20 congregations now, you meet a lot of interesting people and not everyone's gonna like everything you're gonna have to say. And not everyone's gonna be nice. And not everyone's going to come in a good mood. And that's perfectly fine. What we're working on is I want to be that person who is perfect in patience in every situation. So you learn to accept the differences. You learn to accept what each person is and what they, is, what they are not exactly the way they are. And not everyone has to agree with me, and not everyone has to think like me, and not everyone has to talk like me, and not everyone has to pray like me, and not everyone has to observe like me, and not everyone has to vote like me, and not everyone has to think politically like me. And it's perfectly fine. We can still get along with all of humanity with having those differences. I gave this example before, uh, but to me it it was an incredible thing of how you could find commonality with every human being, okay? So I was in England with my wife. We went for uh, one day. We had a stopover on the way to Israel. We were in London. We went, uh, went around, went to Buckingham Palace, went around different different places, and we were heading back to the airport. So we were in the, in the, in the train station in the, in the tube. We met this guy. He comes over to us. You're Jewish? Yes, you're Jewish. And he says, oh, I love the Jewish people. And he was a Russian. He was drunk at the time. It was only 5 o'clock in the afternoon. He was really sticking to us, to, to me and my wife. He was like not letting go of us. Okay, we go and get we get on the train, and he comes on with us, and we get off at the next station. He gets off with us, and we're like, uh-oh, right? So the next stop, I see a guy, this burly individual, and he says, oh, where are you guys from? You guys look like, so I said, we're, we're from Texas. He says, so am I. And I said, where in Texas are you from? He says, I'm from the Woodlands. I said, the Woodlands? No way. I said, I'm from Houston. So we became right away like friends, you know, now. If I met this guy at the at the uh, rodeo, I probably wouldn't talk to him, right? But because we're both strangers in a foreign land, now we're like ladsmen. We're like we're old friends. Like you know, we're both from Texas. We're both from Houston, right? We're like we're like we know each other. Now, well, you know what's interesting is that if you ever go to a to a Rockets game, or you go to a Texans game, or you go to an Astros game. No, I leave the Astros out of this, right? But let's say you go to right. So um, my children call it cheaters. The cheaters. The Houston Cheaters. If you were to to go to one of those games, what happens is is that you suddenly feel like we're all Texans fans, right? We're all rooting for the team. We're like, but you realize that most of these people, right? You really have nothing to do with them, but you have the same affinity for the same team, for the same group. Now, why do even why do we even feel that affinity, right? If I'm living in Houston. Would I ever go for the team for the Denver Broncos? Unless I had something to do with Denver, I most likely wouldn't. I'd go for my team, why? Because I identify through my, my city. I identify, it gives me my own pride. It's my people, it's my, it's my state, It's right, right? It's very interesting how we identify with things. But now, think of it like this. When we have the, the Olympics, we go for the USA, 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 right? We go for our for for what we feel is, is right, but imagine now if the world, if you were st- stuck in a jungle and you met someone from a different country, and now it's sort of the wild animals versus humanity. You suddenly have an affinity with this human being. We need to realize that if a person is uh, putting things into perspective, it gets much easier, right? If you take the person who's frustrating you, you realize this person. If I was stuck in Ireland and they knew that I was also from Houston, they'd come save me. They'd come help me, right? Suddenly, I have a different appreciation for this person. So if we just realign our perspective, it can change everything. Suddenly, there's an affinity for this person. This is the same person who cut the line in front of me in the grocery store. It's okay. Suddenly, right? So again, it's all a matter of perspective. Patience is a branch of humility, okay? And it also brings about peacefulness and tranquility. The Rambam stresses the importance of speaking in a... Rambam stresses the importance of speaking in a soft tone at all times. Where, whenever you have the ability, speak in a soft tone. Why? Because we're influenced by the way, by the words that we use. We're influenced by the tone that we use. If we use a, a cool, calm, and collective tone, you know what happens? We are cool, calm, and collective. If we use a harsh tone, we become harsh. We become uh, you know, forceful and we become, okay. Okay, so to summarize thus far, step one we said is to accept differences. Step two is maintain calm like before, even after differences surface. Number three, be patient with ourselves. In all our endeavors, and remember that we aren't expected to do more than we are capable of. Number four is patience in our home with our spouse and our children, the people we're close with. And number five, practice speaking softly even when critiquing or reprimanding someone. You have the ability to help someone else grow. What we need to do is talk calmly and patiently with them. Don't be abrasive. And don't be rough and tough. Find a way to speak in a, in a calm and pleasant way, okay? So we're, we're, we're going to end here with the following, okay? Patience when dealing with public service is going to be the next topic we're going to discuss. As a rabbi, I can tell you that the majority of what people in public service do is not only not recognized, but it's not appreciated by the majority of people. You go out of your way to help people. You go out of your way to support people, to do whatever is, is required. And the number one trait that's required is maintaining patience and calm, even in exceptionally odd and difficult times. And avoiding anger is really a key. Okay. So there's there's a lot more to talk about. All right. So, you know, we'll, we'll continue this next week. It's a whole new area of really focusing, I think that this is a very important piece that we just talked about today, is getting to understand the world that we're living in, the reality of our lives. Each one of us is filled with challenges that will come. I'll tell you a a story I remember from probably the past, probably eight and nine years ago, in one of the synagogues, we were doing this, this topic. And the week before we started this topic, a woman said to me, Oh, Rabbi, what's the topic next week? So I said, we're going to be talking about patience. She says, ah, I'm such a patient person. I don't think I need to work on this trait. I don't think I come. I said, you know what? Maybe we're going to talk about an aspect of patience that you didn't really know was patience. You might want to participate. Okay. So she came the next week and she left the following week. All right. She comes to class and she says, I need to apologize publicly. She said, I said arrogantly that I was patient patient two weeks ago. And I didn't realize how impatient I really was because after coming to the first class on patience, she said, I realized that as I was pulling out of the driveway of the synagogue, I was honking at the car in front of me, move it already, let's go. And I'm like, whoa, 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 one second. I always do this. And I never realized that that's a lack of patience. I can just take it easy. And many times we don't realize that the things that go on in our lives on a regular basis perhaps are not portraying the greatest level of patience. So if we can look and take a a close look at the things that are going on around our days and think of whether or not they are uh, properly in the realm of patience the way they should be. Hashem should bless us all to have success in seeing these things as someone who myself, I identify as someone who's punctually challenged, there is a very different mindset uh, between the people who are punctually challenged and the recipients of that. All right. For example, I like to put into 24 hours, 36 hours of work, right? I, I just like to cram it all in. And you know what? It, sometimes it's going to cost me maybe not leaving early enough because I'm just finishing up that last project and running on to the next project and really, you know, doing so many things. And I sometimes think, my father and I always had this argument whether or not time is flexible or not. I always tell my father, what do you mean time is flexible? My father's like, what are you talking about? Time is not flexible, right? I'm like, but you can, you know, it's an argument for another time, but I don't see when I'm late that I'm disrespecting other people, but other people may feel that me being late is disrespecting their time, right? And that's always, it's by the way, I have several books on this because it's a big, big topic, a lot of work that needs to happen. Happen on working on, on being punctual and uh, on time. It's a lot, it's not an easy thing. I've been literally, I've been working on this for years, years. This has been the top of my list. I've gotten a lot better, but still not close to perfect. It's a big challenge because to me, if I have a meeting at, at, at one o'clock, so when do I have to leave for that meeting? At one o'clock. I have to one o'clock to get right but it takes five minutes to get there and you may have traffic along the way. So maybe you should leave a quarter to, but that's not the way my brain works. So I have to retrain my brain to work that I need to leave with that extra time. It's not that I disrespect other people's time. It's that I'm not properly calculating the time I will need. I'm like, what's the big deal. It takes a minute, No, but it doesn't take a minute. It takes seven minutes to get there. So you understand that it's a very, it's not that they disrespect you at all. It's that the way in which they calculate time, like myself, is very different. It's not any disrespect. And I I every Rosh Hashanah I try to ask forgiveness from all of my students for all the times that may have been late because it's not out of out of lack of respect. Now, again, I try to make my schedule in a way that even if I'm late, I'm on time. Right? So I try to arrange meetings. For example, if someone tells me they want to meet me, I'll say, you know what, meet me right before class. And that way, I'll meet right before class. I'm already there, and then it's much easier for me to be on time, et cetera, et cetera. So that's why I, I try to arrange my day, knowing my deficiency, so that I can improve that. But on the recipient side, when someone is the recipient of someone being late, uh, and I've been, uh, I've been the recipient of that many times myself as well, even though I'm punctually challenged, I still have had people who are more punctually challenged than me. And for me, I use it as a great opportunity to get things done, to always have something extra to work on. So I always have another project, another something ready in the pipeline, said so if I'm stuck and I'm waiting for someone, I won't be sitting bored looking at Will Fortune on the television screen in front of me, but rather get things productively done. Regardless, there should be a, a, um, a an attention being put on being punctual and being on time, respecting other people's time, respecting other people's... Uh, uh, you know, people come, come leave their home with enough time to be there on time that particularly myself, uh, as a rabbi teaching, but also people going to meetings and doing other things should, should, uh, make every effort to be on time. And again, if we're the recipients of it, figure out a way to prepare yourself that there is no frustration or anger when that person is late. Okay.